and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. For this episode of Eventful, I spoke with Michael Dominguez, President and CEO of Associated Luxury Hotels International. It's always great to speak with Mike about the industry or about anything at all. And this time we were talking about whether and when the industry is ready to get back to business, meaning back to hosting meetings. Let's hear what he had to say. I keep telling people I see a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not another train coming at us. So Really? Where is the light? How far down the tunnel? <laughs> you know what's really hard? We were just talking about this this morning. The news coverage, because of where they're located and then the people we talk to, New York is different. New York, New Jersey, yeah. it's different than anywhere else in the country, Lauren. And I get it. If you're in the middle of that, it is a different viewpoint than looking at other parts of the country that it's just not that. I was on a, a group call yesterday with some planners and I was trying to put it in perspective. I go, you know, we don't phrase it this way, but New York has more cases than any country in the world. Right. Yeah. And, and we don't put it in that perspective. New York right. is so different than anywhere else. And when you look at the test rates, New York is testing positive at about 40%. New Jersey at almost 49. California, that's second to New York in testing, is testing at 10%. Right positives so it's just a different scenario yeah Uh, and and if you look at texas florida and california three very populous states uh that are testing that they're second in testing in the country they're only testing at 10 percent right so it's a very different situation and it's scary when you're seeing the images of field hospitals going up and the military's there to help but that's not the reality outside of that corridor right and that's what we're trying to deal with mentally is to say, look, that's not what's happening everywhere else in the country. So So, I want to talk to you about when we're, you know, not that anybody really knows, but what your expectations are in terms of business rolling back and also what specifically all this means for the meetings industry. And I'm hoping I don't lose power because a thunderstorm is just rolling in. Oh my God, that's all you need. Throw that on top You know, this is reality now. This is, yeah. this is how things operate. I think everyone is more forgiving of the barking dog and the crying kid and whatever else because uh, we're in each other's homes now. I, I agree. It's yeah. like, that just doesn't matter. But look, we're, we're working really diligently right now to try to figure out those next steps. And sometimes it was hard because I, I would be having conversations with people and they're like, well, we want to know. And I said, why are we going to get ahead of the government rules? Mm-hmm. Because us going down a path doesn't matter because right. we need to understand what is going to be the expectation, which we got last Friday or last right. Thursday. Right. We saw those orders. And if you read carefully, especially around the large venues and what right. that looks like, it's 14, 14 and 14 days which means realistically, if somebody doesn't have a spike, you would see some normalcy in six weeks. Right Now, I would expect spikes, which means it's not going to be a perfect six weeks. But as you get through that process, that means by mid-June, July, we're starting to have meetings that look somewhat normal. You're still going to have some type of spacing. And when I read that, and they don't have specifics, they talk about social distancing, moderate, and then very moderate. 
And to me, that is, you're probably going to have one per six foot to start in that first 14 day window so that you're keeping six feet. You're probably going to move to two per six foot in the moderate and you'll probably stay there. We probably won't go back in the short term to three people per six foot and we're all right next to each other. Right. But that's where I'm saying I'm seeing a path out of this. We actually know how to produce a meeting and, you know, something that was missed when, you know, when the CDC uh, put out the rule to not meet under 50 people, if you looked at the CD website, it also told you how to meet with more than 50 people. It wasn't that you couldn't. It says if you can't do this, um, if you can't, if you cannot do these three things, then you shouldn't be meeting right. uh, over 50. Uh, I attended probably, I think it was probably one of the last meetings in the country because it was right when we had the 50 it was the week that they announced we're going to the 10 right. and, and we're in the middle of it. So I'm in, I'm at the Broadmoor and we're at a meeting that literally, I'm not kidding. They shut it down the next day. You saw how it could operate. We had 50 people more than hundred or it was just at under hundred people, but they were split into two different conference rooms. So you had no more than 50 people in any room and, and they had social distancing and you had rounds of tens with only four people on them so that you kept spacing in between them. Food and beverage was all box breakfast, box lunches being handed to you mm-hmm. so that there was no crossover. And those are the things that are sticking with me that they really thought about this. And they even had a trade show, but what they did was instead of the trade show, and it was actually hosted buyer appointments, instead of just everybody opening up into this room, they staggered the schedule so that you buy in this room you had no more than 50 people at any given time. There were ways to do this. We just have to be very thoughtful, you know, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'm trying to stress with people when I keep hearing about the new norm, I said, can we talk about short term and long term? Right. Because short term, yeah. yeah. there's going to be a new norm. When you get a vaccine and we start to move out of this, we're going to get back to some normalcy. But I do hope some of these things continue. It's a good thing everybody's washing their hands. It's yeah. a really good thing, you know? You know, I keep saying regular flu will decrease just, be, you know, and colds because we have better habits now. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, and I, I always get criticized when I'm saying, you know, twelve to 16,000 Americans die from the flu every year. It's not to discount the seriousness. This It's like we could actually save lives by doing some of this in a normal flu season. Right. And, and that's where I think there's a real positive. There are going to be some positives out of this. I think we're going to be very conscious that if somebody's ever coughing or sneezing, we're going to say, why are you here? Right. Just go. You're going to get everybody else sick. Mm-hmm. Not that you're afraid of it, but you're going to get everyone else sick. I think those type of things are going to be really impactful. But I see this overreaction. Mm-hmm. And and we do it during every crisis. You know, mm-hmm. after 2008, what's the new norm? Mm-hmm. After this, what's the new norm? And right. there's a short time new norm. But I mean, you and I have been doing this long enough. There's a new norm every every month, every day every year. So can we not over dramatize this? Mm-hmm. I think there's short term solutions we really have to focus on and how can we meet? How can we meet safely? And then there's all those other pieces we need. We do need testing. We do need antiviral treatments. And, you know, there, there's good news that isn't being shared enough. But when Gilead runs a trial and out of 125 people, 113 were severe and they only lost two people mm-hmm. and 111 not only were released from the hospital, some of them came off ventilation systems. That's really positive news. Yeah. And it's now being, it's now in a clinical second. They're already in phase three clinical trials. Mm-hmm. And they're now looking at that with 2,400 people. That's the stuff that should be really exciting for people. Right. Because it means if I get sick, there's a way to treat it. 
while I'm waiting for the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And and that's the that's another piece of the gap that's missing right now. We talk about plasma and antibody treatments from people that have recovered. That's all good news. Uh, in Orange County, they ran they ran a small sample and they're doing a larger one in Northern California. And they're finding if you do if you apply this to a larger population, they're finding maybe anywhere between forty to fifty percent of the population may have already been infected. Right. That's really good yeah. news. Good to know. I know. Just, it is, especially and, and if you can't get reinfected. That's the clutch. Part that's of the it, point. Right? I, I do see some normalcy. With food and beverage is going to change. Yeah. The days of buffets and people touching a spoon, they're gone. Yeah. At least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know how you do a buffet with people serving you without sneeze guards mm-hmm. or, or some type of protection. You know, right. so there's a whole lot of those pieces that are going to be coming. Um, mm-hmm. I think food and beverage probably has the biggest challenge to try to figure out how we, because we've always done it a certain way. Think of a coffee station, Lauren. Mm-hmm. When you go to a coffee break and everything taking, is there and you're yeah. reaching, mm-hmm. it, you're going to have to have people prepare coffee for you, more like right. Starbucks. Right. You're, you're not going to have self-service breaks in the short term. Mm-hmm. Elevators, I, I don't see how hotels have an elevator landing without Perel stations. Right. You're going to have to have a Perel station on every elevator landing. Mm-hmm. And that, that was already when- popping up because I I was we had North Star had two meetings in early March that I was at. And we were seeing that. I mean, in our office buildings, we were seeing that on every floor and every entrance already. I think convention centers did that from the SARS days and from swine flu, you know. Yeah. And, and I think it was sporadic. I think it'll be more universal. Right. And everybody understands what you have to do. We're working with it. You, you were on the call. I mean, we're working with Delos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got three hotels already ready to go with their COVID package. Oh, wow. That they want to put in to use mm-hmm. the ultraviolet uh, lighting. And I have Peter right now, his team, they're working on what can we do as a meeting package? And what does that look like? Because I'd love to know, okay, we're doing that for the guest room. How do I do that for a meeting package to make it real effective? Basically outlining this, the health safety tip measures that you're going to put in place for a group, right? Exactly. And, and like, can we use that same type of ultraviolet, ultraviolet lighting in meeting rooms? Right. And can I use it to, you know, over a, a break area? It actually will kill the virus on surfaces. But as Peter said on the call, it's not just ultraviolet lighting. It has to have enough time and it has to be used the right way. I want to make sure we're not gimmicky because there's one thing to say, I'm going to say that to make you feel better. There's another thing to know I'm being effective. And that's where there's concern because, you know, there, there's these filtration systems he talked about, right. air filtration that has ultraviolet lighting. But his point is the particles are moving so quickly, it's not working. You have to mm-hmm. have time under the ultraviolet lights. Uh, in, the, in the guest room, that's easy. In the meeting rooms, what do we do to, to make sure when you're on break, that we can cover surfaces and we can make sure we're lighting surfaces while you're on your 15 or 30 minute break Mm -hmm. to make sure we're sanitizing the room. Those are the things we're looking at to say, can we do it and can we do it effectively to make sure one, you see it. I think visibility will be helpful, Mm -hmm. uh, but it also works. So I think that's an important piece. We put together a call through Alhi and it's going to be on Thursday, but we went and, and I went to the next step because I had a call with all the all of our members and a lot of our salespeople when I'm asking them and even the sales leaders, what are you doing? It was kind of like this, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not ready. And what I do realize in 
being in the hotels, we, we just went out and said, can you tell us who in operations is in charge? Your response to this, both on the room side and the meeting side. And we're putting a call together with the people that operate the meetings. So mm-hmm. we're going into conference services. We're going into rooms directors. Uh, I had a call with a chief engineer yesterday at one of our hotels. These are the people that are actually tasked with doing it. So we're bringing them together Mm -hmm. so that we can gather all of that information and say, here's what it's going to look like, you know, when it's all said and done and how we can do it effectively, be within the guidelines and keep people safe. Right. And I understand you're also working with the Events Industry Council. Um, They have a committee establishing standards um, for the hospitality industry and the meetings industry. Yeah, they're, they're putting that together. I just think, you know, and knowing how those go, it's going to be way too slow for what I need to get done right. for our hotels. Because right. we have we have clients asking right now, contracting, yeah. you know, for September. So that's why we're moving faster. And then we'll look at, and I do think those guidelines that are going to be raised are going to come from the hotels that actually put it in place. Right. And we're already seeing Marriott just released, you know, their standards. They, you know, um, just came out with that. And Langham Hotels has something and Wynn put out something um, last week. So we're seeing the individual. I mean, then they're all very similar. Um, Yeah. So it's. And and that's my point is mm -hmm. that I wish it was just, can we all talk with Mm -hmm. one voice? Right. Yeah. yeah, let's, Let's all get it together because this isn't the time to say I'm doing something someone else isn't. Right. This is the time to make the general consumer know that as an industry, no matter where I'm going, this is the new standard. What we can expect, um, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's going to be the missing piece and where EIC can help bring that together. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be one. Because if not, you're going to say, well, where am I staying? This isn't the time to be worrying about right. a competitive advantage. You right. Know? right. We need as an industry to establish that we can safely sleep and meet in these properties, in any properties, and that we can safely get back to our business. I, I agree. And same with the airlines. We, we all need to support the airlines and say, how are we going to do this effectively and safely? Mm-hmm. Because if people are afraid to travel, none of the, none of the rest will matter. Right. You know? Right. Seriously. Yeah. We, we can do all this work, but if nobody comes, it doesn't really matter. So let me ask you, Mike, are you expecting that leisure and transient business travel will come back before groups for starters? Yes and no, only because of uh, lead time. Okay. And, and I think I think that needs to be quantified really well because the answer is yes. But if you're right now not knowing when you can plan a meeting, where you can plan a meeting, how you can plan yeah, it, yeah. that's 90 days away. Um, when people start opening up, hotels open up. And the funny thing is, uh, there's still 30% of flights still going today. There are hotels still open. Uh, you know, our Don Cesar property is still open and has guests in there. So those type of hotels, when they get the green light, you just saw what happened in Jacksonville when they opened the beach. Right. You know, yeah. you can't tell me that those same people would not say, I'm going down to Don Cesar and we're going to go have a weekend. Right. I think leisure will come back. And the one good thing about timing Lauren, when I think about all of this is we're hitting our summer drive period. So even if people are afraid of some people are afraid of airplanes, Mm -hmm. you're in your summer drive period, which will allow us to get our footing as everything else is ramping up. Mm -hmm. But you're going to find a lot of drive destinations and Floridians are going to go to different Florida properties. Right. Um, And have have a lot of your properties, has it been more the iconic properties like the Don Cesar that have stayed open or are most of them closed or... 
partly closed? Most, most are closed over a six-week window. Okay. It was only a six-week window, and they did it for a short period of time because for most of the properties, it's just not worth it staying open at 10% occupancy or right. 8% occupancy. It's too expensive to run, right? Um, especially because they're so spread out. So, And, and it doesn't benefit your employees. Right. You're better off shutting down furloughing your employees or yeah. paying your employees, but furloughing them so they could apply for unemployment. Yeah. That's better off than working, you know, minimal hours. So right. uh, what we found is many of the decisions with hotels had more to do with the employees to yeah. make sure that they had some type of protection because you weren't mm-hmm. going to get any hours when it was all said and done. Right. And so you don't expect staffing to become a problem because it's been relatively temporary and the people that are out of work are certainly not finding other work right now in our business. Yeah. yeah. So it could be. Yeah, and and what, I, what I do look at is um, where I was encouraged is if you look at the unemployment data, mm-hmm. uh, 80% of those that have filed for unemployment was for temporary unemployment, okay. which means they're expected to come back. And mm-hmm. what's, what's really good is with the CARES Act, you know, the unemployment benefit was moved to 250% of the normal payment. Okay. Um, for a six month window, mm-hmm. which means these people, at least over the next 90, 120 days, um, they're going to be, in, and in some cases in the, specifically in the service area, people are whole. Yeah. Um, there was a concern originally, are, are they going to come back to work? Because they're getting yeah. paid everything needs to get paid. Right. But it was necessary to be able to support them. And I can't stress enough that um, they finally worked a deal out, by the way, Schumer just announced. So, we will have uh, a replenishment of the PPP funding. I cannot tell you how vital that is um, for us, Lauren, to get moving. Yeah. And and if you've heard Mnuchin when he talked about it is, okay, if I lay them off or I give you this in a PPP program and it's in the form of a grant, as long as you keep people employed, uh, either way, the government's paying for it. And and the thought process, and, and I like that Mnuchin comes from the business world. He said, if we get the green light and we get to go, and, and you're ready to go, if your staff is already there, even if they were working limited hours or you're trying to figure out what to do with them, as long as they were there, you're able to go immediately right. versus to your point, I got to go find them. I got to go hire them. Like I got to get them train. back into the system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, All that goes away. And that is where I'm encouraged is we're seeing a lot of that. A lot of people being able to hold on, you know, hold on to team members and staffing and that will get us at moving quickly. And some of those are small hotels, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that were able to apply for those grants. It's just the money's ran out. I was hoping mm-hmm. uh, they would refund it and they finally worked out a deal. Okay. So that's a positive. In terms of the mix of meetings business, and I understand there's a short term and a long term, but in the shorter term, yeah. I mean, I don't know what, what percent of your properties, you know, what percent was meetings business, 30 or 40 of overall business? Not 40. Uh, we, we probably sit with national trends. Uh, nationally, a uh, group represents 24% of all business. Okay. Um, and we're, we're sitting, we're a little higher on the luxury side, but we're mm-hmm. probably in that 30, you know, to 35% range, but right. somewhere in that ball. Do you think that that, are you anticipating that revenue mix to, to remain the same or to change as things are um, If you're talking about mix, it's probably going to stay pretty consistent in the short term, only because you're not going to get a full ramp up on the transit side. Right. Yeah. So from a mix, both are going to be down. You're going to be ramping up. Um, Long term, I would think the the trends are going to be very similar when they're all said and done. I mean, uh, Lauren, I I can tell you the cancellations we saw, huge spike in Q1, 
major spike in April, of course. And then we're looking at, and the further we go out, um, I, I mean, less than 3% of my overall cancellations are right now in Q3 or Q4. Right. And I have almost nothing in Q4, and we don't have cancellations moving into 21. Okay. So I, I do think people have a longer runway. Right. Uh, and, and, of course, they're looking for visibility. I do think it's important that we get to meeting. And when we mm-hmm. get to meeting, what that looks like, there's going to be a couple of really big visible programs uh, that I think are under the radar. You know, when the Democratic National Convention moved only four weeks to the middle mm-hmm. of August, that's right. going to be a large meeting. Right. And I know it's going to look different. They're going to have to look at, you know, social distancing, but that's going to be a visible, large meeting of people coming together that will be very good from a mental standpoint. Yeah. And I do think the news coverage needs to change. And that's not a knock on the news coverage. It's that we need good stories. You need to know mm-hmm. that things are moving. We need to see people traveling. Mm-hmm. You need to see people on beaches for that, us to know that some things are getting back to some type of normalcy. Right. Um, it, it's just hard when you're looking at the news every day and it's all about the virus and the hospitals and the treatment and our curve. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's being driven right now because everything else is shut down. Mm-hmm. So as you start to open it up, I do think there is this, there's this herd mentality that we all get and, and we all have FOMO. Mm-hmm. And if you see people out there and moving and saying, wow, I can get mm-hmm. back to it. And I, I think there's going to be that opportunity. What I worry about is a situation that Singapore is in right now where they started opening up and then they saw a spike in cases and now they, they're closing down again for four weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, what they've talked about is we have the ability now to and, and that's what we were looking at. We have the ability now to know that we can go isolate once you get there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference. You're going to find a hot spot. Can you isolate the person? Can you look at the contact, tra- uh, you know, the uh, contact tracing that we need? Um, what Apple and Google are working on would be brilliant if it gets to the market very quickly, which they're anticipating. And it's the exchange through Bluetooth of keys mm-hmm. of everybody you come in contact with uh, over 14 days. Right. And it's really effective because I'm no longer trusting your memory on what you've done over the last 14 I days. I literally know from your phone and I can, with one button, notify everybody that I've come in contact with in the 14 days that they should be tested. Yeah. That's how you isolate it. And they talk about surveillance. And by the way, Singapore is one example that we throw out. But let's talk about South Korea that doesn't have that effort. Mm-hmm. And they're back to normal. Right. But they're really good at surveillance. And if you've heard Dr. Burks. She's never talked about Singapore as the model. She talks about South Korea, Mm -hmm. that we were following what South Korea has done because they've done it very effectively. Right. Um, Jacksonville is a great example. You know, those that beach photo you saw when everybody's out there and people are like, "Okay, these guys are crazy. Dr. Burks yesterday in her press conference explained that Florida has this down to zip code. And what they know is Jacksonville has less than 20 cases a day. They, They are not a problem. They are not an outbreak problem. Other parts of Central Florida and South Florida are, and her point is that's why those beaches aren't open. Right. But there is not a great risk for a Jacksonville beach being open uh, because there's not a lot of surfaces to touch. Mm-hmm. That is that's the true. thought process. Yeah, that's a thought. Yeah, I, but, I, but the I, idea was that we can finally drill down to zip code. To we location. can drill it down so specifically that we know exactly where the hotspots are. And, right. and that's where I think people are sometimes missing that this is becoming a free-for-all. It's not. Where I'm nervous is as soon as there's any uptick, and there will be, because even Dr. Fauci said, we're going to have some, mm-hmm. okay, got, got, got up, we got to come back. 
wherever there's an uptick, the media is going to blow it out of proportion and not it's that it's one space. Mm -hmm. We're looking at one area. Now that starts happening in everywhere else in the country. That's different. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have a spot, you're going to have spots from time to time. Right. And, and Lauren, the one thing I keep stressing to people, the, sh the shutdown, the shelter at home, the, the social distancing, it was not to keep people from getting the, the virus. It is to make sure our health system can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what everybody's forgetting. This is going to be around. We're going to be out and about, and many of us are going to get the virus. Um, the idea was not that we won't get it. The idea is, candidly, we all need to get it so that we can get on and know yeah. that hopefully we're building immunity and we can move on. Right. Um, that That's where I'm, I'm struggling at times because that that's the push. you, you got to make sure the hospitals can handle it. It's funny, Mike, because... I'm watching, you know, Governor Cuomo and Bill de Blasio every day from New York, and it's such a dire situation. So I have the New York, you know, perspective and New Jersey perspective, but I think it's a good point that you have to look at it by area. And do you, so given that, do you see that there are some areas of the country where travel and meetings can come back soon and safely because they're not experiencing this the way we are here? Without a doubt, Lauren. And you know what's really funny? The middle of the country specifically, um, there's only, do you know there's only 27 states that even had travel restrictions? Mm -hmm. The middle of the country has almost no outbreak. And that can that can start right away. There's just nothing going on. And we, we talk about it, you know, when you're in Montana, you're in Wyoming, social distancing is by geography. Right. I, I always say, I'm not being Pollyanna. I'm also not being Eeyore. I, I'm mm -hmm. trying to hit something in the middle. Mm -hmm. because I do think we can start moving in certain areas. I also believe we have to have the right precautions in place and the right behaviors in place, and we have to do this at the right pace. Right. But I, I reminded everybody our industry shut down in phases because it went 2,500, 1,000, 550, 10. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to come out of it the same way. Right. I think starting April 30th, 10 is no longer the number, and we're looking at groups of 50 to 100, and we'll continue to ramp up to a larger meeting at some point. Yeah. But what that looks like, it's anybody's guess, but I, I can tell you right now, you're going to have a sporting event and you're going to have an arena that opens up, but a 20,000 seat arena will probably have 5,000 fans. Yeah. Not 20,000 so that they can space it right. appropriately. Right. And then once they get up there, they'll probably just have every other seat open. Right. And, or something along those lines. Let me ask you about the negotiating environment for meeting planners. What, sure. How do you think that will change? Sure. I mean, we've we've gone from basically a seller's market. It was looking like it was switching back toward a buyer's market. And, and now what? Now what happens when we come back? Well, I, I don't know if it's a seller's or a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. I, I just think it's a market that there's so much uncertainty that mm -hmm. everybody is trying to work with each other. I, I have not seen that yet. You know, it's the one time. Uh, Lauren, that I, I haven't seen this combativeness about it. What we've seen is yeah. we all need help and we all got to figure this out together. And you have hotels and we're talking about this right now, probably through the end of 2020, uh, you're going to have very relaxed attrition or no attrition. Just meet because we don't know what attendance is going to mm -hmm. look like for anybody. Yeah. And, and the only thing that in that environment, you've lost compression. And the only time the the um, attrition really mattered was in points that you would have sold out. I don't think anybody is dreaming right now we're going to sell out our hotels when we first open up. Mm -hmm. So right now it's just about getting people meeting again and figuring out what that process is like. 
where there has to be some balance. That's probably all through 20, maybe first quarter of 21. The further we get outside of that, you're not going to see that because there's there's all ex- expectations and all forecasts is we'll get back to some normalcy. We, we have after every major condition, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think in the next 12 to 18 months, there's going to be a lot more dialogue and flexibility. Um, also important, nobody needs a long laundry list of um, force majeure clause. A good force majeure clause should cover you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we don't need to relook at the force majeure clause, but it doesn't mean you need to try to think of every situation that can happen. Right. A good force right. majeure should cover you. So onward, right? <laughs> like, like I said, I see a light at the end of the tunnel, and, and I do understand that the people living it every day, I know why that perception looks different. But, but I hope at least in this conversation, it, it was I was making that point. Outside of that, that's not what we're seeing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I actually had a little bit of a debate with somebody in our industry because they were like, you know, you're just being so optimistic about this and the stay at home, you know, people aren't going to listen. I go, look, I think people are educated enough to understand. I also know enough about human psychology. If I've been stuck at home for three weeks and you're telling me it's not making any difference, I'm going to say, screw it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to move on. Right. I said, what you want to be able to say is you're making a difference. It's working. Mm-hmm. The death count is lowering because of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That was my messaging. But I've got these doomsdayers that are all, all of a sudden saying, you know, you're just trying to get people. No, I'm trying to say, keep doing what you're doing for the next two weeks because it's actually working. Mm-hmm. But I do know enough about human, you know, human behavior. that if you don't think it's working, you're going to say, screw it. Yeah. I, I, you really would. Right. You're like, it ain't making a difference anyway. I'm going out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's there's that balance. That's where I'm I'm really struggling trying to balance that conversation, mm-hmm. because if there's any hope of optimism, oh, my God, sometimes I get beat up by the small group of people I'm like stop. I, I, I'm not telling people not to shelter in place. I'm not telling mm-hmm. people to ignore the government. Right. I am trying to say there are some positive signs that everything we're doing is working. Right. And we're flattening the curve and we're seeing a way out of this. Yeah. And. That has been a that has been a delicate balance, I will tell you, uh, because there are some people that get up in a tree, and I'm like, it's not what I'm saying. And and my point is, we're just getting past the fear. We're starting yeah. to have an understanding of what this can look like moving forward, and that's what I'm trying to yeah. impress on people. Right. We were living in such fear as we should be. I'm, I'm not at all discounting that. Yeah. But we're now getting to this point of an understanding, and that gives me hope when I say a light at the end of the tunnel. Because the next step is action and then rational behavior. Right. Um, those are those next two pieces that I'm hoping are around the corner. Okay. Thanks again, Mike. Right. Nice to see you. Take care. You too. Talk Bye. to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.